Welcome to Hunt Harvest Health Podcast with your host, Ryan Lampers, aka The Stealthy Hunter. Howdy. And myself, Dr. Hillary Lampers, where we share our love for ancestral living and the health topics of the modern age. Ryan is the well rounded, bearded brawn of Hunt Harvest Health. His knowledge of backcountry adventure, western hunting, and our household status as garden guru and super dad really defines our gut stealthy lifestyle. Doc Hillary is definitely the brains and beauty behind all of this. She kind of makes everything happen as I have zero technical skills. Hill is just a wealth of knowledge in all things medicine and nutrition, which not only keep our family healthy, but they help me stay strong in all my mountain adventures. You can follow us at HuntHarvestHealth.com, Instagram, and Facebook for more podcasts, recipes, and stories. All right, let's do this. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health podcast. I'm Doc Hillary, here with Ryan. And we haven't done a podcast in a few weeks. We've been traveling. We went to the Western Hunt Expo in Salt Lake City, which was so much fun. It was our second year there. And like last year, we got to meet so many cool people and talk to some of you out there who have given us feedback on what we're doing. And so we just uh, wanted to thank everybody who supported Hunt Harvest Health and, um, you know, just give a shout out to you because we wouldn't be here without you. So the Hunt S- Expo was a lot of fun for us. Yep, yep. It's one of those places you get to go and hang out with old acquaintances and, uh, and meet a lot of new people. And, um, yeah, it's always a blast to get to see gear and just talk with like-minded people, um, get more... Uh, you know, into the community. It's just one of my favorite things of the year is going to that Hunt Expo in Salt Lake City. So, yeah. um, so today's podcast, we are going to go over everything train to hunt. We got Kenton Claremont, Trevor Neistrath, Jesse Wise, and we just sit down and uh, talk about where it came from, where it's going, how this year's course is going to be laid out, and. Um, yeah, just kind of go over everything that's that's involved with this year's Train to Hunt. So it's a pretty good podcast, I think. And uh, the reason why we're here right now is this is where it's going to be. This is where Washington's Train to Hunt is going to be. This is our property, uh, family's property. we got some big hills and uh, a pile of acreage. So um, we got to figure out where we're going to lay this course out. But we will find a doozy of a course. I mean, there's going to be some good hills and some good angled shots and everything. So I'm we, excited. We feel pretty fortunate today. It snowed last night, which is rare for us. And it's not raining. It's sunny, which is another rare thing in uh, February in the Pacific Northwest. So we're hoping that May 5th, when we have our event here at Washington, we are not going to be totally soaked with rain, <laughs> but the chances are very high. So bring your rain gear. But we'd love to see you, love to have you be part of the Washington Train to Hunt. We're bringing it back. Uh, They didn't have a Washington Train to Hunt last year. And the year before was the Washington Train to Hunt was one of the first Train to Hunts that I was a part of and where I began to meet and really connect with the Train to Hunt family. So if you want to be part of this year's Train to Hunt, either at our place here in Washington or at any of the other events around the country, you can go to huntharvesthealth.com slash train to hunt to get more information as well as direction on how to sign up for any event um including the washington one yeah and i think uh you know even if 
we're hoping to fill this venue, but uh, even if we don't, you know, if you don't, you're, you're not ready for a train to hunt or you don't think you're ready for a train to hunt, anybody that just wants to come out and be a spectator or help in a way, we uh, we need some judges and, and some people to uh, donate a little time. But um, yeah, by all means, show up, see how it goes, see uh, see what a great community it is and um, just kind of follow along on how we run these things. And uh, I think you'll get hooked pretty fast if you if you're thinking about doing one and just haven't quite committed, like after you see one, um, you'll see that, uh, that it's pretty cool. But we love everybody to come bring your spouse, bring your kids. Oh, try to it, carpool. Try to carpool because we are going to have some parking stuff going on. So we would like, love it if you carpooled, but we're just excited. It's going to be a fun event for us and we plan on making it a party. So like I said, check it out, come join us. Even if you're not going to be shooting or racing, just come be part of the excitement. All right. Howdy, folks. Welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health podcast. Um, today, I am sitting in the house of Mr. Jesse Wise in Oregon, and uh, we are joined by Mr. Kenton Claremont and Trevor Neestrath. Um, I think anybody who has listened to our podcast over this past year has heard me talk about train to hunt. Um, we've kind of gone over this a lot and talked about past events. And, you know, we've all heard Hillary's story and what she's got out of this event. Um, you know, she's become a competitor now. She's not just a bystander. And uh, how it's kind of changed her life and her world um, as mine and mine as well and our marriage. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot. And so I have yet to have the founder of Train to Hunt on the podcast, uh, Kenton. And so today, I'm uh, feeling pretty good to get your, um, get everybody to know you and hear your take and um, really want to hear, you know, what this season that we've got coming up. I think we're all getting prepared now. Hunting season's kind of wrapping up, and now it's time to talk about training to hunt and think about what we're going to do and get to training again for next season. So, uh, Kenton, how about you introduce yourself? Well, thanks for having me on the podcast first, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here. It's always just good to hang out with, with you guys, and uh, it's and I think about training on all the time. It's I like it. I like it when I get a chance to talk about it. So um, yeah, so train to hunt started eight years ago as a training program for hunters, and really it was sparked by a hunt that I did with my dad. And we went out and did a big back um, backcountry hunt, a pretty big, big hunt, doll sheep hunt up in Alaska. And he was 58 years old at the time. And my brother and I were kind of on him about, man, you got to get in shape. So when we get up there and it was kind of a once in a lifetime deal, my brother was a resident. So we were able to go up there and, and, uh, <clears throat> we were able to go up there and, and hunt sheep. So we were stoked about being able to get up there, but we did, we all knew, man, we're going to have to get in shape for this and we want to be prepared physically and we don't have to worry about each other. So I was on my dad and, and about, you know, he getting in shape and he, and he was, he was doing his due diligence and he was, you know, going to the, to the gym, the local gym there in uh, in small town, Idaho and, and uh, getting his weightlifting in and getting his step class and his spin class. And he was in pretty decent shape. He'd lost a bunch of weight and he was feeling good. And my dad, you know, my dad's always been a mountain man, Ryan. Like, I mean, I think every boy that's ever followed his dad around in the mountains, when you're a young boy, they can walk <laughs> you into the ground 
pretty easily. So that was like, that's, that's my vision of my dad all, you know, all through my childhood and even into my, you know, late teens and early twenties, he, you know, my dad packed a chainsaw in the mountains and was a faller in the, it, for a logging outfit. So he was, he was mountain fit. Well, um, fast forward and it, you know, now he's, he's 58 years old and we're going to the Alaska range and, and we get in there and we're all super pumped up about where we're at and we're going to be able to hunt dull sheep finally for the first time and and uh, we hunted hard for a couple of days and it, 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 we walked him into the ground and, and we found found some sheep and he was he was so beat up that he was to the point where he was like ready to throw the towel in and he actually asked my brother and I to go leave him and go up after these sheep and uh and we wouldn't allow that we just we we waited it out and he finally got his wits about him and we got him up the mountain and he killed that sheep um and that was really the big light bulb moment for me in, in that i was a personal trainer at the time and you know what i like i need to design a program specifically for getting people ready for backcountry hunts i mean let's face it like it anything that Anything that's a sport, really sport is kind of defined by if you want to get in shape for a sport, there's some specific movements, there's specific modalities, like you're either going to be, you know, fast twitch or slow twitch, or, you know, you're going to have to be strong in certain areas. You're not going to train a football player the same way you're going to train a swimmer. You're not going to train a swimmer the same way you would, you know, train a volleyball player. Why is it that mountain hunters are out there training like marathoners and training like bodybuilders and that it just didn't make sense to me. So I said, I'm going to make a training program designed specifically for, for the mountain hunter. And so I launched that, that, uh, the train to hunt as a, online training program and a year into it um, I realized that people there was a lot of action right away and people were super excited about the idea and were on there training and a year after like about January I noticed the action was a little bit slow on the site there and I was like oh I know what's going on guys were training all the way up to hunting season and then after hunting season they were shutting her down and they were just going to go about the regular basic cycle of like, I'll train, I'll train, I'll get ready for hunting season, hunting season will happen. And then I'll shut her down around December, January, and then I'll fire it back up around June, July. And I really wanted to just encourage people to stay in shape year round. So I thought, man, you know, I, there really needs to be something out there that, that bow hunters or mountain hunters can really look forward to, um, to compete and have these measuring sticks along the way in the summertime. And so the train to hunt event was designed as nothing more than a measuring stick for how your training program was going up to this point. And they encourage people to get in shape for these events. Cause like we talked earlier, if you put something on the calendar, you're going to train for it because nobody, right. nobody wants to show up to an event feeling unprepared. They, they want to, they want to do it, you know, and they want to do it right. And they want to compete and, you know, feel good about themselves, whether they win or not. A lot of people aren't really too concerned about it, man. I'm only going to go if I win. Uh, most people just want to go out and feel good about their, how they did. And, and, and part of that is just in preparation. So people were preparing, they were doing, now they were going to do the events and then those events would happen clear till like the end of July, the beginning of August, and then they could just kind of ride it out and boom, hunting season. So that's where the train to hunt event really came, you know, came about was just my idea of instead of people who were actually out there training for, for events, um, and having to settle for having to do like five K's and half marathons and, right. and sprint triathlons and that kind of thing. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing those. And if that's what you do, 
awesome. Yeah, it, yeah. There, there's always been a lot of that, you know, cross cross training, um, you know, a lot of a lot of running and, and that kind of thing. But it was that was definitely unique when you came online and and started, you know, targeting specifically hunters. Yeah, and I think it was pretty cool. I know I got excited about it um, when I kind of heard what was happening and what you guys were doing and seeing uh, pretty good participation. Now, it took me a while. Because I was, you know, um, I was kind of quiet and reserved and didn't want to just throw myself out there and get out of my comfort zone, I guess, um, when I first started. But uh, when you first started this, I'd like to know how it evolved. Like when you when oh, you yeah. first drew this up, like what was your vision of how this was going to go, how long this was going to go, and why you started it the way you did, you know, the certain events that you had, the different challenges? Well, it, you know, it, I had this idea about trying to hold a 3D shoot where you were timed through the 3D shoot. So it wasn't just a lollygag through and take your time and, you know, draw, let down, rethink your yardage, draw, and shoot. It was get through here as fast as you can. And then I started looking at the logistics of it and thought, well, you know, we can't have, number one, you can't be retrieving arrows. You have to be able to shoot and go. All right, so that that basically narrows it down to you're going to have to get somewhere between, you know, four and six targets is all you're going to be able to shoot. So you're going to have to have four to six targets. You're going to have to have judges. And this all kind of evolved into, all right, we're going to do a run and shoot. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I called uh, Steve Speck up because they were doing the Northwest Mountain Challenge here in, in Boise. And uh, Steve said, yeah, man, you can come down and pilot this thing. And all I had, I really didn't know um, how it would go. I didn't know if people would dig it. I didn't know. I really just didn't have much of an idea. And so, uh, Hoyt, we told, we, uh, we, and at this point I had a business partner, Dan Staten, and him and I were kind of into this whole mix together. We had trained to hunt and we had a uh, CrossFit Spokane Valley. And so we were just like, we were all in and we were trying to run this event and we got a bow, uh, a bow from Hoyt and we went up and we set up a table. We hung a bow in, uh, in, on our little, uh, pop-up and it just said, win this bow. And people would come up and say, how can I win the bow? And we're like, well, and we set up six targets uh, on the mountain at the base of the, of the mountain there. And, uh, we just timed people just one person at a time. They paid 10 bucks. They signed a waiver and said the fastest time through this course wins the bow. And you can go as many times as you want, but it just cost you $10 to try and surprisingly, we got like 45 people wow. to, go, to go in there and run that course. And it was, average time was about five and a half minutes. I think the winning time was like just just over three minutes. And um, it was a pretty big hit. People were like pretty stoked to see like, I and mean, then this is a good idea. Like let's run and shoot, run and shoot. And then we, we were still awarding people for shooting shooting well and shooting poorly like if you hit the 10 you still got time taken off and if mm -hmm. you missed you you got time uh added but at that point there wasn't any physical exercise but we did we did know that hey this is this is kind of this is a winning deal because it we didn't announce it there was no marketing there was no nothing it was just a probably kind of a light bulb went off and you're like oh we could probably grow this yeah what, it was, what well, else can we add to it yeah so it was a novelty shoot and then of course like Throughout the years, starting at that point, we, I had people come up and suggesting things like, man, this would be really cool if you did this. I'm like, you know what? That is a good idea. You know? And then um, the next year, I wanted to do uh, multiple events. I just wanted to uh, like scattered around the country. And so the next year, 
we added um, we added a 3D shoot component. So we had the challenge course. We added some um, physical challenges at the at each target. So now it wasn't just run to the target and shoot. It was run to the target, do a physical uh, shoot, and then as soon as you get done shooting, you had to do some sort of a physical challenge, a box step over or a ground to shoulder or a burpee or a get up. And, and then you run to the next target and shot and then you did another challenge right there on the trail and you run and do the next challenge. And w- this was the first year that we ran multiple people in the same heat as well. So it evolved into multi-people into in, in a heat. We added the, the physical challenges at the targets and then we added the 3D component. We had five races that year. And... Everywhere I went, I got the same feedback, man, this is so cool. And man, you really should have like something simulating the pack out because that's the most, that's the toughest part about a hunt is that grueling pack out. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to add something that's going to simulate a pack out. Mm. Fast forward to the next year. And I had a few more, I added a few more sites and they're all still in the West. And, uh, I added the meat pack component. So now it had turned from a two day, uh, uh, a two event, um, ev- ev- two, uh, two event competition to mm-hmm. now it's a three event competition. And we would do the 3d shoot in the morning. And in the afternoon we'd do the meat pack. And when we first, when I was drumming up this meat pack in my head, I'm like, okay, what is a true test of a meat pack? Okay. Well, it's got to be a heavy load and ideally it would be good to give the competitors a choice of I'm either going to do this in two loads or I'm going to do it in one load. So I just kind of drummed up in my head like, okay, what's this kind of a small, like a, what's a, what's a good weight that some guys might be able to take it, but man, it's going to smoke them and they may regret doing it. And where's most of the people going to opt to do two, two loads. Basically I'm going to, I'm going to take load number one, come back to the rest, and do load number two. And I landed to 200 pounds. Okay, we're going to do 200 pounds. It's a 200-pound meat pack. I'm going to make them pack their pack before uh, it's all going to be on the clock. Ready, go. You pack your pack. You snap it up. You throw the weight on. You make load one. You drop it off, come back, get load two, snap it on, and finish. Um, finish. And it was never a very long trek. It was only... Usually it was like right around a half a mile, a little bit over a half a mile because a hundred pounds, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't, I wanted, I really wanted to prevent injury and they were usually pretty easy tracks. It wasn't like straight uphill or anything like that. Well, I quickly learned that and it was, it was like the one thing if I could go back and, and re and rewind the clock and say, and, and change my answer to this question. I had one guy at the first event come up to me and say, and this was an ex-NFL football player. And he says, <laughs> hey, can I take the whole thing? Can I can I take the whole weight if I want to? And I'm like, oh, can you fit that much in your pack? And he's like, well, I was just going to carry these two. And I'm like, buddy, if you think you want to do that in one trip, you go right ahead. Well, that was a big mistake on my part because I had underestimated the ability for the the time difference between just grunting it out with one pack and... The t- and the two trip guy. I thought mm-hmm. the two trip guy could probably beat the one trip guy because it would probably just be too much for him. And I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And so everybody 
was just kind of forced to, if I want to even compete a little bit, I'm going to have to put the 200 pounds on my body somehow, and I'm going to have to make this track. And so for one year, I had to get, we went through like five or six events and I had to watch people just grunt it out and just like borderline dangerous, borderline dangerous. And I, uh, and so the, the meat pack, I had to rethink the meat pack. Let's just say I, it was time to rethink the meat pack. So I rethought it. And did you think about going up in weight like 250? No, nope. I, my only, my only thought was we got to come down. And I was like, okay, these guys are going to take it in one pack, but I still want it to be hard. So I dropped it to, um, I dropped it to a hundred and a hundred pounds was where we stuck for a little while, you know, and the challenge course never really, you know, it was still a exercise run shoot course. Um, and that, that part of the event was pretty dialed in and, uh, um, the 3d course, the 3d course had always, has always been the same. And the 3d course is just a cha- you know, that as far as that event goes, it's always, um, been my goal to try to simulate in the field situations as best as I can. And so we do, you know, you do kneeling shots, you do where we have the, you know, where we have the facilities, we'll do tree stand shots. We'll do a kneeling stand shoot. Um, you have the five second shot where you have five seconds to draw your bow and get your shot off. And there's a judge standing there timing how long it takes you to draw and shoot. And if you go over five seconds, then you, uh, then you don't get, then you don't get credit for anything. Right. And if, uh, if you do get it, then you do it. And most people do surprisingly enough, like it doesn't take nearly as long as you think Mm -hmm. to draw anchor and shoot. Sure. Um, and so that, that shot people, you know, people usually end up making the mistake of like drawing their bow too far, like too fast and the, and the arrow kicks off the rest or, you know, or just going too fast, punching it off. Go, they just pull shot. up and they, and they, yeah, they pop it off and they right. miss the target or something like that. The, uh, the other one we do is the two that probably the most popular one or the most like talked about dreaded probably <laughs> maybe is the follow-up shot. And that one just was just like. It was a. Uh, it was something that was that came from an experience that I had um, in in the mountains where I a buddy of mine shot an elk, had a good shot on it. It just ran just a little ways, like four or five steps, and stood there again. And he he re he uh, reloaded, pulled back, and shot and shot underneath him. And that thing went down, and, and it didn't go very far. Luckily, the first shot was a good shot, and we got him. Uh, we recovered him pretty quickly, but it did. This shot, this shot that I have everybody doing in the challenge is, uh, it was born out of that situation. And that's just, sometimes when you get a good arrow in in an elk and he runs and stops, you're going to want to get another one in him. You know, maybe it's a good shot. Maybe it's a not, maybe you missed and you, you just have to have, you only have a short window to get another one arrow, uh, knocked and and, you kind of always want to get another shot if you can get another arrow in him if you can. And that shot has evolved over the years as well because it started off as um, it was uh, 20 seconds and you were start the time started when you drew your bow on the first arrow and you shot and then you had to move about five yards, reload, pull up and shoot. Oh, okay. And, uh, and you shot the same target. And if you didn't get your second one off in time, then neither arrow counted. And 
I, I've since rethought that. And now it looks like this. You're standing, you're in one spot. You, your first arrow is untimed and you're shooting at a target in front of you. There's a second target out there. That's just maybe just a little bit to right or left and maybe a little bit closer, a little bit further away. And as soon as you shoot your first arrow, you move to the second, you are going to move a, a short distance. We're probably, we're going to give you 20 seconds to reload and shoot because you're moving and we want we really want people to be successful and not feel too rushed and 10 seconds was really just you were just being a little bit too rushed really on the cusp right really on I mean, the cusp. A lot, i think a lot of those were right at about nine seconds yeah. where that second arrow would go off and the fact of the matter is is that what i'm trying to simulate in that in that arena any of the time shots really is that i'm trying to i'm trying to um, simulate pressure a pressure situation and all you have to do to increase pressure on somebody is time them. Yeah. That's it. If you say you're, I'm going to time you, they're going to, there's, there's going to be a sense of urgency, which is going to make you do things. If you're not prepared, you're going to do things that you don't, wouldn't normally do. You're not going to be as smooth. You're going to be rushed. You're not going to be looking at you. You know, you're not going to look down to make sure that knot gets on and you're not going to go through your shot sequence. So we did increase the time. But we're still going to get a lot of the same results. Mm-hmm. We're going to get people out there. They're going to rush the second shot. And, you know, it may not be as good of a shot. And they'll be like, man, I should have taken my time a little bit more, Got which it. you hear that a lot, you know. Yeah, that's one of those shots. Um, I think that was kind of the most scary one. I think I the first event I did, um, I think I blew it. I think I, I went just over 10 seconds. I'd never practiced it or anything. and uh, But once I started practicing, uh, I noticed pretty quickly that, you really pay attention. It's almost like a, a controlled smoothness. Like you, you're not going to just reach over, rip your thing off and maybe, you know, slip, you know, your hand slips. You're, you're really paying attention to, um, making sure that your, you know, your release is getting on your D loop properly. You're not just like rushing it so fast that let's face it. One little mistake where if you rush it too fast, it usually you can't recover. Right. But if you keep it smooth, um, and you've practiced it and you just know that you can't slip up at any point in there, it gets pretty easy actually. Yeah. Uh, A little bit of practice and it, and it really kind of evens everything out, but you know, in your head, you got to do everything right. Yeah. You can't, you can't, uh, drop your arrow. You can't slip off your release or slip off your D loop or anything like that. So I really enjoyed that one, just the practice of it. yeah, and that's what it's for. It's to practice. And yeah. if you practice that for the challenge, guess what? When you get out in the mountains, if you get faced with that situation, you're going to be like, man, I'm sure glad that I practiced for that for the challenge because mm. now I'm prepared for this. I can't tell you how many times, and uh, this was the next shot I was going to talk about, was the, the hold, the 30-second hold or the one-minute hold before you get to shoot. And that's the other time. One is you draw back, the, 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 the clock starts, and the judge will tell you all clear when your 30 seconds is up and then you get to execute your shot. I can't tell you how many times I've had people go, man, want this shot, you know, the, the drawn hold or the kneeling shot or the follow-up shot or the, the shot in five seconds. I can't, man, I use that this year and they'd send me pictures of their, you know, of, of them being successful in the woods. And I'm just like, yeah, that's what it's about. And that's, and that was part of the idea behind the whole event just in general was to get people out there, thinking about this stuff way earlier than they normally would sure way way earlier and as far as shooting goes yeah go to 3d shoots and practice shooting those 3d targets and that's i think why a lot of the hunters will go to 3d shoots is to just get it you know be able to to shoot 
life-size animals and, and, and have a good shot. And well, let's face it. I think if, if you're not, um, you know, told to do something specific like 30-second or a one-minute hold, yeah. like some of these events have, uh, you don't usually practice it. I mean, most guys don't. Maybe some guys do. They go out and they shoot the range, but they don't tend to hold hold their bow for a minute before they release that arrow. Right. They, they get it on target and they release it. But in a real-life situation, I mean, how many times are you holding your bow? I mean, you're holding it for a minute or longer yeah. before you end up getting that shot on it, especially on bulls. Yeah. Um, that's definitely a more realistic type shot and probably the one that plays out the most in the woods. Yeah. It's holding your, you know, holding that thing and and trying to not shake so bad that you don't make a good shot. <laughs> that's right. So, Try to keep your cool while yeah. you're like full draw. It's tough though. So that's, I mean, that's, the 3D shoot has always been that way. You know, we got drawn, like I said, we got some kneeling shots, some standing shots. We do have some hunter's choice. We have a really close up shot that, you know, most people don't run into, but just in case, let's, let's practice that. We have, but all our shots are, our average shot is about 35 yards. Okay, we'll stretch it out there sometimes, 55, 60. You'll get maybe one, maybe two targets beyond 50 yards. You'll get, you will get one target that's really close, like two to five yards. But most of those targets are going to be between 20. Or one yard. Or one yard. <laughs> or one yard straight down. Um, but most of those shots are going to be, you know, between 25 and 45 yards right in there. And that's and, and that's for the compounds. The, the recurve guys, we we cut that distance in half. Whatever it is, except for the obviously the real close shot. We let the recurve guys are shooting that shot. Um, and and the, the draw and hold, we don't make the recurve guys actually draw and hold because that's just not how recurve works. You know, they'll, right. they'll actually stand in a ready position. And then as soon as, you know, that animal presents a shot, they just draw and shoot. They don't actually draw back before they see like with the compound where, you know, we, there's so much movement in drawing a compound for, for not all of us, but some of us that we like to be drawn. And, and there's so much release or let off there that we're comfortable just holding it. Whereas a, a, a recurve guy, he's holding that full poundage. And so they, don't, they just tend, and their bows are a lot lighter. They just tend to not say pre-draw as much as the compound guys so mm -hmm. what we have those guys do is they have to stand with their bow in a ready position um fingers on the string for 30 seconds and then when they get the all clear they draw and shoot right yeah so it's a little bit different for the recurve folks and the traditional guys um but now let's break down the classes a little bit okay the divisions okay how does that work so we added a few divisions this year but right now we have the open and the open it's is for anybody if you want to compete with every with all the young guys basically all the young guys 39 and under um you know you just want to go out there and compete with everybody you just just join the open mm -hmm. yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be in the in the open division we have men's and women's open and then um i think it was year three or year four i think it might have been year three we added the master's division which is 40 um, to 49 and then the next year we added 50 to 59 which is the super masters 
and these are both men's and women's. So they're, the men and women are separated. So like we have men's open, women's open, masters and, and, super, and super masters. And then we also added this year, our new category this year is our senior masters, which is our 16 over crowd. You know, those guys we all aspire to be someday that are out there getting it and, you yep. know, at 60 plus. And so if you're a man or woman over 60, then you'd be in the senior masters division. We, uh, we also have, um, team competitions, which I think is just fun to watch. And if I, I've said this before, if you're out there on the fence a little bit and you're like, man, I sure like to do it, but yeah, you know, I, I'm not just not sure, man, grab your hunting partner and come out and do it because it's just, it's a lot more, there's not as much pressure. You kind of split the pressure, you split the work and, and, uh, and, and it's, it's a good time. It's a great way to bond with your, with your hunting partner. Right. Well, so, right. um, we have men's teams, which in this team to two, we have women's teams, teams of two, and then we have co-ed teams, you know, men and women teams, um, teams of two. Um, and then the other two divisions that we added this year, which I'm super pumped about is the, uh, the teen boys and the teen girls. So 13, 14, and 15, um, you can come out and compete and we're going to have, that that division in every regionals we're also going to have that at the nationals so you could be the first ever <laughs> teen boy or teen girl trained to hunt national champion and i cut the cost a little bit because i want to make this a family friendly environment i want that i want people to be able to bring their whole families and have something for every everybody to be able to do and uh i know that you know it comes with a price tag. I, I know it is, and everybody else knows that there's a price tag to it. I just don't want it to, I just don't want ever to, I don't ever want that price tag to be what stops people from coming. So right. if you're bringing your teenager, it's 50 bucks, you know. And they're going to be doing, I'm assuming maybe a little bit different adjusted weight, but they're going to be doing the same course. They will be. Yeah, you know, it'll be adjusted weight, but it'll be the same course, you right. know. So the, so the, the teen boys will be um, using the, the senior like the 30 pound bags and teen girls be using the 10 pound bags all right so um it's it's uh it'll be fun to watch just you know everybody coming out and we're also going to have a, a you know a little kiddos mm-hmm. event going on last year we had that it was exciting watching some of those little guys and girls run around oh, yeah and, and i she, gotta watch my daughter do it she yeah. loved it and she's looking forward to it this year again she uh yeah She's one year older and she wants to compete a little bit more and she absolutely loved it. She competed with, uh, you know, it's hard to compete with the Jesse Wise's <laughs> kids because they're monsters. The they're Wise really Clan. The Wise Clan. <laughs> they just, uh, they run everybody into the ground and they shoot really well. So they're yeah. tough to compete with, Man. but fun to watch. <laughs> the um, what, One thing, like the men's open goes from age 16 to 39. What did I say? Well, you did. I don't think it was specified that oh. it started at 16. sixteen. So if you're yeah. sixteen and up, um, you can throw your hat in the ring with the big boys. Yeah, so yeah, that's where that, that's where our line is at sixteen. Yeah. So if you're sixteen yeah. years old, you're in obviously like a teen boys with thirteen right. to fifteen. Yeah. And if you're sixteen, you're in there with the with uh, the older crowd with the. So if you're sixteen to thirty nine and you expect to take the top spot, if you're that competitive, yeah, and uh, a guy by the name of Trevor Neistrath shows up. You see him on the board. Don't expect to take that top spot. <laughs> I would just drop my expectations a little bit. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> hey, Trevor, why don't you introduce yourself over there? Well, my name is Trevor Neistrath. Uh, born and raised here in Oregon. Live in Southern Oregon. Um, yeah, just uh, I guess a good old boy that likes to hunt and uh, shoot my bow and 
and uh, fell in love with fitness through Train to Hunt. Um, I just kind <clears> of, <throat> I don't know, maybe maybe we can get together, Ryan, do a, another podcast to, to to do more about me, but this is kind of a Train to Hunt deal, so I'll talk about yeah, to, let's, Train to Hunt a little let's bit. talk about how you got started in it, and, yeah. and uh, you've got quite a few accomplishments yeah. in it. You're kind of top dog and have been for a long time. I don't, I don't, uh, it's lonely at the top, buddy. Uh, oh, man, I, I've watched you compete. I don't know how many events now, and uh, I've never seen you lose. <laughs> uh, I've seen guys push you, but uh, you just seem to push a little bit harder if you have to be pushed. So, well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, here's the thing, Ryan. Uh, I'm the greatest server was, and I, <laughs> humble, when I wake yeah. up in the morning. Yeah. I, I humble. piss excellence. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. No, no. And cut. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I I, I uh, discovered Train to Hunt through um, uh, a Western Hunter magazine, and and just checking it out online, and um, decided to go for it. And I, I think. I think I was one of those guys that Kenton talks about that uh, kind of shut down at the end of hunting season. Um, I guess I've always been in somewhat physical shape just from good, hard work ethics and stuff like that. Um, never really was uh, much into sports. I, I love sports, and I, I did play some baseball and, and um, a little bit of football at a young young age and a little bit of wrestling. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't uh, until trained to hunt that I – that I realized uh, what the importance of uh, a competition is it, as a motivator, something to look forward to. Um, you know, it, anybody that uh, works out, that you have those moments where you're, you know, it's so much easier to talk yourself out of going to do a, a, a physical task than it is just to, you know, to do it get out of your comfort zone yeah get out there and do it but you have this thought of uh of hunting season and then and then the train to hunt you know you don't want to just show up and just be the laughing stock of whatever (laughs) which is train to hunt isn't that way but (laughs) uh, yeah you want to compete and do your best and yeah see where you are prepared wise for uh, for that coming season yeah no doubt yeah so i i guess uh um, I wanted to pull out the measuring stick and see where I held and where I where I what I needed to improve on. And um, it turns out fe- nothing. He doesn't need to improve on anything. <laughs> He's good. <laughs> now, what year was that first year that you competed? It was uh, 2013. Okay, up in Oregon, up in Eugene. Oh. And uh, it, you know, we, we I've talked with people about how. It was kind of intimidating at first. I think it's toned back a little bit. You saw pictures of Kenton with his 12-pack <laughs> running in the snow. I've seen that picture. Yeah. That's intimidating <laughs> enough. It's 12-pack. Uh, <laughs> running in the and, snow. And then, you're, you know, you're going to Eugene, and that's where Cameron Haynes is from, and you're thinking, man, this guy's going to show up, and there's no chance, you know. And um, So, and I've never really done competition, so I was I was kind of nervous, you know. I showed up and I definitely drank a little bit too much coffee. Shooting, <laughs> shooting wasn't that great. Um, handled the physical stuff okay. Um, it, it was. I, I fell in love with it. It was really. It was something special. Yeah. And you guys, just so you guys are aware, 
Trevor may be one of the most humble guys you'll ever meet, and he won't say it. That needs to be said. For Trevor sure. Neistrath has lost one competition. I've 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 run I've run them all, and I've seen. And Trevor's lost one competition, and it wasn't by much. And since then, this guy is the three-time national champion in the men's open, which is saying something. Mm-hmm. It's a tough crown to hold, and. Um, yeah, he's just a too humble of a guy to tell you. So I'll tell you, he's this guy's a beast. He's, yeah. he's out there. He's getting it, and you won't meet a more humble guy. I would, I would challenge anybody to come out to a train hunt challenge in Oregon and try to pick out Trevor Neistrath <laughs> without knowing who he is. Because right. you you wouldn't just be able to pick him out of a crowd because he's not going to be the guy trying to draw attention to himself. He's just going to go out there and humbly destroy you on the course. <laughs> That's exactly and then right. when you cross the finish line, he'll be there to greet you with a smile and take your pack off mm-hmm. and hand you some water. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. I, you know, I, I've watched you, um, you know, just huffing and puffing and grinding up hills, heavy weight. And it's, it's, uh, you got a certain look of determination on you. Like, there's just nothing going to stop you. I don't think I've ever seen you smile on a meat pack. It's uh, it's pretty intense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty. It's heavy breathing yeah. and mm-hmm. it's just grinding it out yeah. to the fullest. Yeah, uh, sometimes when you're grinding so hard, it does look like you're smiling. I, I'll never forget Scott Carr yelling at me, "Quit smiling, keep moving." <laughs> I, I'm not smiling. <laughs> this, you're the, gritting your this teeth. Is the pain face. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm breathing through my eyeballs. Yeah. It's better if I grit my teeth. <laughs> well, I mean, like I know Kenton and I last year we were we were uh, talking about it, you know, and just watching what Trevor does every year, and man, and just up at Powderhorn there in Colorado, we were. We were watching him, and it's just like we were talking about it afterwards, and we're just sitting there going, man, it's just from the first minute that Trevor's going, he's just 110%, and we think, oh, he's not going to be able to, you know, last. He's He'll he'll eventually stop, you know, like slow down, and he just doesn't. You know, he sound, and you just sound like you're on all the way, all the time. It's just, arr, arr. <laughs> you know, and you just hear him coming from a mile away, and it's just, that's Trevor, man. He just just it it's like you black out or something and you yeah. just go yeah so uh so what is that i know everybody kind of wants the secret sauce like they want yeah. they want your your recipe for training they want to yeah. hear how what is it in you that uh that's gotten you to that be that way yeah. well I, I wish there was a, a secret sauce that you could you could tell people and, and help them along the way but um i, I it's it truthfully it, it's it comes down to mind over matter you know you you got to be able to push because I'm a firm believer that everybody can push a lot further than, than they ever thought they could. And, uh, it, so, it, you know, that I, I guess that is, you just have to work on your mental toughness, which that's something that everybody's going to be different. And it's, I don't know. I, I'm, so you've got a, a, an ability to, I mean, are you feeling pain when you're, when you're doing that? Because like all the rest of us, or do you oh, have something yeah. magical where you're just not feeling pain? Are you able to just block it out? Yeah, well, you you feel it. And I, I think if if you're doing a lot of praying and you're doing a lot of thinking about stuff that, you know, I, I think about uh, friends that are, are no longer with us that would love to be here and, and do something like this. And, uh, you know, just try to do it in honor of, of, of those people and, and then, you know, just you know whatever you can think about that is going to take your mind off that pain and eventually you overcome it and the 
you just can go. It, it, it doesn't hurt so bad anymore or it goes away. Or, and I think, I don't know, you, you can't look too far ahead if you're on a course or a, or think about too, too far, you, how far you got to go. If you're packing meat on a, on a hunt or something, you, you, you just have, to, you have to get it done. And, um, you start thinking about, Oh man, I, I got to make it to the top there. Um, you, you just, you, you got to think of, I don't know, maybe the very, very end result of slamming the tailgate of the truck or something, how great that is. But, um, even on a, a, a real meat pack, you're going to have some real grinds climbing a hill, but there's always going to be those flat spots or the downhill and stuff to recover on. And so, it, you know, if you can push, push, push and get past that pain and keep going at some point on these trained hunt courses, you're going to hit a downhill section and catch your breath or, you know, and I guess in my training in that way, I, you, you'll hit walls where you're just having such a hard time and, and there's certain trails that I like to run that, that I kind of know mentally a little bit. And, and if I can just get over that hump, then I can maybe slow down a little bit or let my legs free float and catch my breath. I don't know. That's just kind of some of the stuff that. Right. Mental toughness I has think, always been a tough thing to explain. Yeah. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Where, does it, where does it come from? How do you get it? And um, I think Trevor's. Can you develop it? Can yeah. you get better at it? It's yeah, for sure. We've talked about it quite a bit and I, you know, I'll, if we're going to delve into this thing, I'll tell you, I think that really mental toughness is something that can absolutely be developed. For I, sure. And I think I it's agree. really just a matter of holding hands with discomfort. You don't fight it. You just you become comfortable with it. And when you first start out, you're going to have a certain level of exertion where you're, discomfort, where you're uncomfortable. And really, you just have to, you have to dip into the pool and, and walk, walk hand in hand with it for a little bit. And then say, okay, we'll see you later. And you just kind of dip back out of it. You don't just run into the pain cave and start setting up tent, you know, because that's going to, it's, it's too tough. Most people just can't handle that. They get fearful of injury. They don't know what they, it's just too scary for them because they, they feel like physically they're, they're at risk because it's, it it hurts so bad that they, they're going to shut her down. Um, but if, but developing mental toughness through physical exertion and, and, making yourself uncomfortable. And I think you can make yourself physically tough without, without actually like physically pushing your heart rate. You can, you want to get physically tough, go see it, go get cold for a while, like be in a safe mm-hmm. environment, but step outside in the middle of winter mm-hmm. and stand out there until you're shivering and then come back in. Right. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of different, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can actually become familiar with discomfort. You know, if you're somebody like me who can't, I can't stand hot tubs or saunas like that because I overeat quick, go in there, get uncomfortable and just right when you're like, man, I've got to get out of here, hang out for a little bit longer and then get out. You right. know, yeah. but it's about, it's really about being physically uncomfortable and your brain saying, basically putting up white flags and saying, Hey, you better do something about this. You better slow down. You better get inside. You better get out of this sauna. You better do whatever. And I would encourage everybody to, obviously, you don't want to be stupid about it. You know, yeah. don't go hold your breath under the water. You're like, I'm going to hold in my breath till <laughs> until I pass out. Pass out. Yeah. Like, don't go give yourself hypothermia and don't go give yourself heat exhaustion and don't give your, you know, and don't go out and, and run till you're, you're, knee gives out or whatever but, but small doses but you know it, build yourself up to it yeah, that's right dip into it yeah dip into it like 
don't be afraid to push just a little bit further every single time. And that's why I think that's why a lot of people prefer um, training with partners because when they when they want to kind of quit, they have this visual of like, oh, I'm going to keep up with Trevor, I'm going to keep up with Ryan or whatever. And so they they everybody wants to work out with somebody who's just a little bit more fit than they are, so that they can be pushed. You know? Yeah. And if you have if you can find the ability, if you have a way to get a workout partner, do it. Do it yeah. for sure and push each other and race each other and make everything a competition. And um, if you don't, um, then you just have to you just have to get familiar with um, where your pain cave or your discomfort or your red line is, and then just keep dipping into it. Just keep dipping into it and do it in various ways, you know. And and uh, pretty soon you're going to become a little bit mentally tougher. And the more often you can do it, the more adversity and and obstacles kind of become, you know, there those obstacles get smaller and smaller and smaller before you know it. You're, you don't get slammed up against the wall. You're just kind of stepping over a hurdle and keep going. Yeah. It translates really well into the mountains because, um, you know, for anybody who's packed a bull out, you know, or a deer out one tripped it, or just, you know, even if you got buddies, you're all packing heavy loads out. Um, you know, thinking back on challenges that you faced in the summer, you know, for training, whether it's a train to hunt event that was really tough or, uh, going out and just in your training or running in the rain, you know, as miserable as that can be, you know, cold winter months running out there for, even if it's a couple miles, it's miserable, right? Um, training in the heat, training in the cold, all those little things. And you can look back on that while you're packing this animal out and it's difficult. And, uh, you think, man, I've done that. I've done this before. Uh, why can't I do it here? Let's see what kind of, let's see what's in the tank. And, yeah. um, you know, you kind of always want to live with that mindset, right? See what's in the tank. What, what can I do and how much can I do, um, throughout your training? It just gets so much easier when you're actually needing it to be, you know, when you're, when you're actually, you know, packing that animal out, um, yeah. on the mountain. It always, you always think back on that and say, ah, I've done it before. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. It's going to suck, but you know, these things have sucked before and I always come out. Okay. That's right. And I mean, really, I think we would all agree that really the reason we're training for that meat pack is because we're bow hunters. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's, mm-hmm. what's the temperature like in September? She's really hot. It's and usually it's hot. Not, it's way above and beyond how do I feel. It's about I have meat on my back that I need to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. It, and, it's, and I need to get out of here quick. The yeah. last thing you want to do, and I've always said a couple things about the reason to be fit, even if – because there's, there's always going to be people out there who say you don't have to be fit to be a good hunter, and no one's going to agree with you more than me. I yeah. agree you do not have to be in good shape to be a good hunter. But I can tell you this, that the reason you owe it – to yourself and you owe it to your family and you owe it to your part, your hunting partners and you owe it to your hunting partner's family. It's not, it's not about the meat. It's not about the, the, the adventure. It's not about conquering mountains. It's about if something happens in the backcountry and your partner gets hurt bad. Yeah. Do you want to be able to physically be able to, I know that I can get my partner out and back to his family. Or do you want to have to leave them there and get yourself out of there and, and just hope that he makes it out, mm-hmm. you know, and get, get, get to a spot to help him out. But worst, worst case scenario, if you, ha- if you have, if you have to get your hunting partner out, if you, 
do you want if you want to be able to do that right i mean we would all agree like yeah, you don't, sure. under no circumstances would you, would you be like okay with like yeah i'm okay with i know that there's no way i could get this guy out but i'm okay with that i don't know how you could live with yourself and that's what i mean i'll tell you that's what drives me like the times when i'm like oh man this hurts and i'm having a tough time yeah i'm like i'm not gonna let anybody down man i'm not gonna let myself down my wife down my kids down my my dad down my hunting partners down their family like i owe it to them to push through this right now because i will get you off the mountain yeah yeah super important yeah chew on that for a little bit yeah right yeah yeah, it's funny that argument that uh, you don't have to be, and I totally agree. You don't have to be, but that's going to dictate where you're hunting and how you're hunting. Yeah. Um, you know, some of us really enjoy making it difficult, and the only way you're going to, you know, get back as far as we want to be, you know, and find success on whatever animal we're going for. If you want to go in 12 miles to be secluded and not, you know, be be bopping around boot tracks and you know looking at cars and quads and hearing anything. You got to go back in there and that's where I enjoy it. And that's why I work out. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't have to, but then I'm kind of forced to, you know, within five miles of a road or a trailhead or something like that. And that's not really the experience I want. Um, so to each his own, you know, uh, if you want to be a road hunter, you can definitely be a couch potato and probably get it done on occasion. Yeah. But I mean, um, so many more advantages, to you know being fit not just for not just for a hunt but just overall health for your family and everybody else in your life that's not it's not going to hurt you (laughs) yeah it's not i think there's a misconception out there um with that that uh that is an ego thing right it's an ego thing about oh yeah you got to be fit like me and i'm you know i'm look at me i'm a badass and it's not about that at all i hope that you guys are i hope that people are hearing that and people that are listening to your podcast i mean i imagine they're they're shaking their head and saying yeah we know that's not true but there are the people out there that think it's all about the ego and you know the guys in this in the train to hunt community it's it's never about ego the competition is not about ego the fitness isn't about ego it's it's a it's way beyond fitness is way beyond just hunting there's a huge benefit like you said to the hunting aspect yeah i'm glad you said that because uh that's one thing um i've pointed out and i've recognized the first train hunt event i showed up at um i expected there to be a whole lot of egos there you know a bunch of hunters macho guys you know going around you know guys that shoot every day they expect to stomp the competition and that was exactly the opposite thing that i found um that's really uh the whole community and and every event is the same. It's like-minded people that want to be better um, in the mountains. They want to be healthier. And they're just there to support everybody else in their same community. And um, that's one thing that I've really loved about the Train to Hunt. It's just kind of a different world, and it's unique. And I still can't figure out how it's ended up that to that way. Somehow you've masterminded that. But there's just a whole lot of folks that don't have that ego. They're not out there, you know, um, you know, pumping their chest and just you know i did it I, I beat all you guys i've never seen anything like that in an event um they're all helping each other out and you know watching everybody cross the finish line and mm-hmm. it's pretty unique really yeah as far as endurance and just challenges overall out there misery is a great bonding agent yeah <laughs> misery yeah. may be the best bonding agent in the world think yeah. of, you know think about even the people that you had these you know, a grueling having to come over some adversity, whether it be a grueling pack out or whatever, you guys share that. 
Yeah. You're like you'll yeah. always have that um, that experience that only you and that other person ha- went through. Yeah. When you go to a train to hunt challenge, everybody's going through the same thing. And you, when you finish and you're and you know you realize, wow, that was rough, and you kind of get broke down a little bit physically, and you feel really great mentally, and you see people coming across the finish line, and you know how they feel. Yeah, and there's an instant bond. Yeah, instant shared, bond. Whether shared they, suffering. Whether you cross the finish line in 20 minutes or you cross the finish line in 45 minutes, everybody feels the same way. Yep. Just your fitness level is almost out the window. The only the only thing that a fitness level is going to do is record how fast you, you get it done. But at the end of the fin, it, when when that person crossed the finish line at 45 minutes, they feel the exact same way as the person who finished cross that finish line in 20 minutes they feel exactly the same they feel accomplished they feel like they did their best and they feel like man i'm i can't believe i got it done and man that was hard and that person who crossed the finish line before them is not looking down and going man i can't believe how long it took them to do that they're looking at them going i know how you feel yeah that's exactly right that is i got so much respect for somebody you just grinded that out for 45 minutes that was so awesome and it's, I'm telling you, misery is a huge, huge bonding agent, man. And you, mm-hmm. and that's, it's just the nature of the game. People yeah. like have such respect for people who will just come out and enjoy the misery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah funny, it's cool. Cause like you to see, watch the misery. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah we it was fun. When that powder horn at nationals last year, there was a lot of spectators, just people up there riding mountain bikes and stuff like that. And train to hunt is, uh, it, you know, when you talk to somebody that's not a hunter and they, and they learn what train to hunt is, you know, conversation and wow, there's people that actually are working out and staying fit for, for hunting and respect of animals. They, 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 they look at it a little bit different. Maybe they, we might sway them one way that, well, maybe we thought hunting was, you know, like Kent was saying, a big ego thing. And, right. You know, when it, when it's not for, for a lot of yeah. hunters that I know. Yeah, it's really important. It's kind of like we talked about um, at some point, you know, showing the, the folks that maybe don't get it, they don't have a hunter in their life, they don't understand it fully. Yeah. Um, showing folks what we do, how we talk, how do we, how we talk to them, and um, just shedding some light on the training and how much we care about this, how much we train for it. Um, you know, it's not just going out and shooting stuff. Yeah. There's a whole other, you know, lifestyle behind it, and health-minded individuals that are trying to be their best yeah but so trevor before we get too far away from you i want to hear your your workout just what's a typical trevor neistrath workout pre-trained to hunt um the world is listening i I would say my my favorite workouts are anytime i can get outside of the gym i mean i like i like to go in the gym and, and do some strength training stuff but um if I can have an excuse to go up in, in the hills and do some scouting of some sort, maybe maybe carry some weight on purpose for strength training for my legs or whatever. Uh, my favorite workouts are getting outside. We, I live very close to an archery range that I volunteer at, and um, I, I can go out there and I have a, a, a box – step up for doing step ups or step overs a box i built out of pallets nice. and uh um 
I have sandbags I, I filled up. I, I think I got a hold of you, Kenton. And what, what are those bags that we're using? You know, and, yeah, you know, yeah. So I bought a bunch of those and started filling them up. I, I don't even think I've weighed them. I, a couple of my wife makes me weigh hers. Uh, yeah. She wants the, <laughs> the proper amount. I, I don't really want to know. I just know it's heavy. And <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I thoroughly enjoy being outside and and shooting with my workouts and stuff. I and mean, I can only do that really out outside at the range. Um, one of the, one of the grinders for me is hitting up the local trail at my house with uh, a heavy load. I mean, I don't go too extreme weight wise cause I can always just push myself harder, you know, just, and that's part of, I guess the mental strengthening for me is maybe, you know, maybe I'll time myself to see how long it took me to hit that one mile mark on that trail. And then I'll just try to, continuously beat that and and try different uh, approaches of pushing at different points on that trail that see if it increases my time or whatever and um so yeah my i just try to do a, a more of a full body workout and then maybe i can maybe pick a category or something to maybe strengthen a little bit more like say if i'm at the gym i'll try to do some kind of workouts that's going to cover most of my body, you know, full body workout and then say, I want, for whatever reason, I want to strengthen up my chest a little bit and maybe I'll focus on that a little bit more towards the end of the workout. Um, now, do you do much uh, running, trail running without yeah, weight at all? Yeah, I, I, I enjoy running. Um, we're fortunate enough to have a lot of really cool trails by our house and uh, there's a big running community there and um, you know, people that just can run and run and run for days and you can go in just about any direction and find a really cool trail to run on. Um, and, and we have a lot of steepness to our trails. Uh, and you know, running, running is, uh, you know, you'll hear controversial stuff about it, how it's so hard on your body. And, for me running, uh, the only time I got to be real, um, careful is like on, on downhill and that's probably for everybody. You just gotta, you gotta just, you gotta learn how your body works and how you, uh, you just gotta know your body, the feeling like, you know, you don't want to go slamming down downhill super hard and feel that in your knees constantly. You just kind of, there's ways to adjust how you're running to where it's not so, you know, bad or right. whatever, but yeah, we'll spend some time running uh, and, when I first started working out, it was kind of traditional stuff with a buddy that would hit, we're doing chest, we're doing legs, we're doing whatever, you know, just individual muscle groups, which is fine. It was great. We're getting strong, but I never really felt like I was, you know, I, I could see results. I could see, you know, people would say stuff, you know, you're, you're looking stronger or whatever, but I never felt like I was really working out. You know, I'm just lifting the weight. I'm not sweating. And it wasn't until I started running and like breathing hard, the cardio part about it, that's what I enjoy and my body thrives for. And so, you know, as I'm getting older, I, I'm more cardio based, um, not so much heavy weight stuff. And, right. you know, I love it. That's fun. Yeah, no kidding. I think that's probably what translates and, and not to just these events, but hunt as well. Yeah. Um, I've always felt like. You know, it's cardio is one of the biggest, obviously. I think we all know that, especially if you're a backcountry guy or yeah. I think you do a lot of mountain bike, you know, hunting, don't you? Well, we do all kinds of all kinds all of kinds. stuff. But yeah, the, I think you had a pretty good year on the bikes this year. Yeah, so some photos. Yeah. We we 
it's just faster to get in. I mean, we could walk that far and, um, some of the mountain biking stuff and some of the videos I think we saw was like, wow, that's really cool to see how people get in there that quick and stuff. And, um, it separates it, you from the, from the trailhead or the road, you know, a little yeah. bit, a little bit quicker. Well, and where I'm at, there's a lot of logging type roads that are gated at certain times of the year. And, and people just won't walk back there because there's a gate and, we can just get around with the bike and get back there pretty far. And, um, and then we can start our hikes from there. And, you know, it, it, it's more like the end of the day coming back out when you having that bike to get out quicker. And, and, on, and a lot of times we're going uphill. So it's all, all downhill back out. So it's, it's great. It's, it's a slick tool. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but I tell you what, your butt does hurt really bad. <laughs> you got to for. Yeah, you have to uh you have to work that toughness in there. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if you can get tough enough though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, padded shorts and everything else, it don't matter, it still hurts. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you put weight on there. It's now, I think I saw you running with trailers, aren't you? You got a trailer for yeah, the bike? I I haven't purchased one yet, but I I have uh I, I got some some labs at home, and I have the one lab that's uh, she loves going everywhere I go, and she's getting older and has an injury that we can't figure out. She limps around, and I, I'm gonna get this little dog trailer because I want. She loves being by my side, and that's gonna be a great workout tool for me because she, I can put her in that trailer. I gotta. I'm gonna have to teach her to not freak out and everything, but she'll be able to ride along because she'll go. I mean, I. I animals are so tough it's unbelievable if i take her she'll go but she will be beat up for days afterwards and so i, I am going to get a trailer utilize that with training and, and just throw the 80 pound lab on there and yeah. pedal up the hills and just be with, be with my friends <laughs> just throw in your pack yeah. Yeah. have her licking your face when you're running yeah. up the hill <laughs> yeah uh well let's mix it up a little bit i think uh you know we're end of the season here um, we'll talk a little bit more about train to hunt, but I want to hear some stories. I think, uh, you know, everybody's done some hunts this year. I know we all got good stories, but, um, Jesse, let's start with you, man. What, what was your best hunt of the year to that story? Oh man. Um, probably going with Kenton here and over to Idaho. And, uh, you know, we, I invited him over down to Oregon last year and took him, took him to my spot and, and, uh, man i just i felt bad like he didn't he, there was opportunity but the, there was no shots fired and and uh so i took him to my area so he kind of reciprocated and and um and i went to his area up in idaho there and and yeah we just got there and you know and i my my freezer was looking pretty empty because i hadn't shot a elk in in a while and i i had missed one in oregon with my wife and and just went right right over its back and and so uh yeah the freezer was looking empty so i told kenton like before i even got there i'm like i'm shooting the first thing with antlers man i don't care how big it is i don't it it doesn't matter and uh yeah so we we got there set up base camp at at, on wednesday night hey don't 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 skip the trap the trip in and i again yeah no no no. we set up we set up base camp at like at on wednesday at like 11 o'clock at night in the rain you know and this uh this campground and and uh yeah and then we drive up to the trailhead like four in the morning and start hiking in 
and we're hiking in and we and it's snowy up on top and you know we're hiking through the snow it's 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 all foggy and then we start cutting tracks and we're like whoa those are wolf tracks <laughs> you know and not but, where you want to see no going and into not, your elk spot. and of course you know coming from oregon and never actually hunting um any bow hunting out of state at all i've hunted in wyoming before but never bow hunted for elk out of state and so this is my first out of state you know and you you hear all these wolf stories you know and and like oh the elk are gone and and all this stuff and so i'm thinking immediately you know and then man these some of these tracks were as big as my hand you know and i'm like thinking wow that's a big dog right there you know and i'm like i would love to see it you know and like ken's like i wouldn't <laughs> it was unreal how big no, those tracks yeah. were now granted the snow was melted a little bit there was probably yeah. about four or five inches of snow yeah and it stopped snowing and they were they were a little they were kind of an older track but man a lot they were bigger than your hand yeah they were yeah. big tracks yeah and I mean, all over big dog <laughs> and there was other wolves too that weren't as big as this one track that we kept running into but man yeah the thing was the big thing old was alpha big. male in yeah. there and so we we hike we hike along the ridge there and we we uh, get to our you know spike camp spot about what three miles back or something like that and it was just fun it was kenton and i and casey Cantu and um and we just set up camp, you know, 8.15, about rolls around. We, It's pretty gnarly, you know, foggy still a little bit. But, you know, you st- it starts to break a little bit. And and we just go down the hill a little bit and rip out a bugle and get an answer in the bottom, you know. And so we're like, sweet, you know. And, and uh, because this area is, you know, I mean, like I took – Ken in my area, and it's pretty wide open, you know. Ken had never experienced that. And That's a whole nother story. Yeah, it's a whole nother story. <laughs> and uh, it's just wide open. And so this area, not wide open, you know. And so we're just hearing bugles and chasing bugles and stuff. And it's just fun, man. I don't, you know, here in Oregon, I don't hear, get a whole lot of that. Um, and uh, and so we just go, man. And I mean, it we've had discussions about kind of elk hunter I am, you know, with my wife and stuff, but, um, yeah, I'm just a go, I just go, you know, and if I hear a bugle, if I, if I know that there's elk there, I, I'm going to chase them down. You're the runner. He's the running. Type. I call, I call it, he, Jesse is hypnotized by bugles. When he hears a bugle, you can see it in his eyes that, it's I'm in his zone. Like it's time. Yeah. Like I have one now. Let's go. There's yeah, a straight it's, line yeah, right to that. There's view. no doubt. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. There's just. It's that hypnotized look. Like, all right, let's go. Yeah. It's gone. I just want to see it. Yeah. Like, like it's like that curiosity gets me every time, man. It's just like, oh, there's a bull. Yeah. If I hear three bulls bugling, I can. It's like this mental picture in my head. Like, oh, that that's probably like a you know, this big of a bull and, oh man, I wonder what he looks like. And, uh, and you hear like this rasp in this one. So you're like, Ooh man, he sounds good. You know? And, and <laughs> well, the North country of Idaho probably was pretty frustrating for you because, uh, you don't see a lot of elk up there. You sure hear them. Yeah. You sure hear a lot of them. But, so uh, I saw three elk the whole time I was there. Yeah. Saw laid eyes on three elk and, and only heard two heard <laughs> yeah. yeah there's not there's no elk yeah, there, so. yeah they're gone but uh no like <laughs> yeah it was funny man i mean we just got there and casey was with us and kenton was just he didn't have a tag so he was our caller and our mule you know and and uh 
and man, we just kept walking down this ridge and and this bull would light off every now and then. And we were just kind of sneaking in nice and slow and easy and stuff. And, and, uh, and just, I, I'm used to hunting thick stuff, you know, too, because Oregon coast is super thick, just like that. If you would have, if you would have, uh, blindfolded me and dropped me off in that spot, I would have, I would have swore I was in the, either the deep cascades or the Oregon coast somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I, I, uh, we keep going down and Kenton's like, I'm just going to back up, call for you guys. And and you guys just go sneak down and, and, you know, I'll just keep him going. And, and so he lights off that bull lights off down below us one more time, man. And and it just, I just knocked an arrow and I'm just like, he's right below us. I'm, I'm going. And I, I I think I made eye contact with Casey and (laughs) Casey was like kind of just waiting and, and I'm like, it's, it's kind of like, bye, Felicia. <laughs> just like, <laughs> down the dies, dies. Yeah. I'm out of here. And I just went, and I just, I did not stop. I'm crashing. You know, I would stop for a couple seconds, you know, just to listen or look and just scan the area. If I came into an open spot where I could see through the trees a ways, I'd just scan. So we went down on the first little bench and nothing, and then it just broke through some alders, went down the second bench, and I'm just following this bench or this uh elk trail down and it's a fresh sign you can smell them you know i know they're right ahead of us i'm just waiting to see and I'm just pe- poking my way through i'm not it's not like i'm running or anything but i'm just going and um and then i spot a body and uh i'm like oh i stop i i uh actually i didn't have my binoculars right because kenton's like yo you're not gonna need those things you know <laughs> that's right and so i had a rangefinder though and and so i'm like i pick my rangefinder up i range it, it's 96 yards I'm looking, and I can see he's got spikes, you know, and it was just a spike, you know, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I'm killing him. Hey, he's got, he's a legal bull, I'm killing him, and, uh, and so, um, and Casey was behind me about 30 yards, Kenton was about 60 yards behind me, I kind of gave him the signal, you know, like, keep calling, and so Kenton kind of just wandered into the background, and breaking sticks, and bugling, and stuff, and cow calling, and, and the bigger bull was still going off, you know, and so I, I just keyed in on that spike, man. And I just walked up to him. I mean, from when I saw him to when I shot him, it was probably a minute and a half, maybe. You know, I just stuck his head behind a tree and just walked up and then, like, peeked out. If I wasn't, if I didn't think I was close enough or didn't have a clear shot, I just kept walking. And I got 35 yards away, ranged him, 35, drew back and, poof, and smashed him and ran 40 yards and piled up. And uh, that was like two hours into our hunt. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah that's yeah, usually not how it like, goes. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wow, that was that was pretty cool yeah. and easy. <laughs> you know, it's just like just show up and shoot elk. You know, I've I've released one arrow in in Idaho. I've yeah. shot one arrow in Idaho, and yeah. I killed an elk. So yes. yeah, I think you texted me on the way over, and then I he sent me a photo that next next day. Yeah. And I was like, holy cow, that I just got cool. there. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. was there ever any? any uh, I know you said uh, you're going to shoot the first thing, but with that other giant bull bugling just behind that thing, were Man, you I, any consideration? No, the whole no, I no? did. I <laughs> I am not like you know, quote unquote, trophy hunter or whatever. If if it happens to just be a big bull that mm-hmm. steps in front of me, um, I'll kill it. Yeah. You know, but I'm an equal opportunity elk meat hunter you know like if it i that's why i usually like to hunt in one elk units 
um, in Oregon, just because if a cow steps in front of me, I'm putting meat in the freezer. Right. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's, that's what I want to do. Now, I mean, there are easier ways to get meat. I think we discussed that <laughs> already, but, um, than bow hunting, right? And, uh, I picked up the recurve last year and that's not an easy way to get elk meat. <laughs> it's an easy way to, to practice shooting at animals and not hitting anything. But, uh, it's, it, I mean, you just got to be really good. But man, I felt like I was cheating this year after hunting with the recurve last year and then jumping back on the, uh, the old training wheels. Man, yeah. it was. But how's that freezer look this year? Ah, it's full, man. Yeah. It's full. That's like, right. Yeah, and I shot a nice blacktail <laughs> buck, too. And, yeah, my son shot his first blacktail buck. And, and uh, actually, the same day I shot my spike in Idaho there, he sh- he ended up shooting a blacktail here on the property. But, man, it's, it's uh, yeah. I was, and then, man, it, just having Kenton there with me and, and uh, Casey and everything and, you know, just finding that and, uh, and then you know just packing it up packing it out of there six miles and and you know getting it to the the butcher and and then we went back out you know and i'm, I'm like man I, I hope i can repay these guys you know and right. i know kenton's dad was showing up and he was he had a tag and then casey had a tag to fill man and i i tried my darndest man to get close enough and get casey into some elk and stuff and man we were playing elk pinball there for a little bit jumping all over the place running down these hills and you know running up the draws and and trying to get the wind right and and the wind is just um miserable to to deal with there because you you drop down a draw and it completely changes 180 degrees and so you got to like back out and figure out go hike way up or hike way down and and trying to figure out that wind down in them bowls and and off them them finger ridges is yeah very difficult i've known that country in fact that's where that's where kenton and i met so many years ago and yeah, whatever it is about that bowl, I mean, just the little cuts and how it rolls, it's mm-hmm. it's always back and forth. And to be honest, that's one of the reasons why I kind of quit hunting. It was so frustrating at times. You know, there was a lot of elk. There's always some real dandies. But uh, the constant back and forth in that area, just that bowl specifically, was always so frustrating. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was a fun hunt this year, man. I I just I still think about it, man. And yeah. yeah, I mean to answer your question to like if if I had two answers to that question, I'd be like at the time. <laughs> here, come, here comes the honest one. <laughs> yeah, at the time. That at was the good time, see, but let's yeah, get it real. at the time, I you know I got you know I got mouths to feed, man. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, all right, I'm I and I commit. You know, if I commit to something, it's usually I'm that's what I'm going to stick with. You know, I want to be a man of my word. And, uh, and so like, yeah, he was the first bull I saw, but now that I think about it, I'm like thinking, I wonder what would have happened if, if I would have just backed out and say, Hey, Casey, come here, you know, go shoot that thing, you know? And, uh, and been selfless, you know? And it's like, Oh man. And, or I second guess myself and I'm like, ah, was I a jerk there? I mean, like, <laughs> did I like, we didn't draw straws or anything. Man. Just it was just it. like uh, the, the killer in me took over and I'm like, I'm going to kill that thing. <laughs> you know, I'm going to kill the first bull that steps in front of me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and of course, you know, then you pull that trigger, man, your season's done. Like as far as like, I, I'm not going to walk around with a bow anymore, yeah. you know? And two hours into it, and it's just like, oh, wow, that's, like, it's over. Like, 
it was cool. We're packing meat, but it was kind of like I did get to vicariously live through Casey and and Kenton's dad and and stuff, you know, helping them. But it, it's not the, it's not the same. Yeah, you know, it's oh not yeah, the it's same. always bittersweet when you shoot something yeah. a little early in the hunt. You haven't had quite the chance to, you know learn that learn that whole area and have some blown opportunities yeah. and and uh had some suffrage a little bit mm-hmm. but tell us for guys because uh you know like we talked about in the beginning the train to hunt season's coming up and um we've got what 10 11 states this year yeah i think we have a, 11, 11 events 11 11 yeah, 11, 11 states, states. We're, one of them's here in washington i'm going to be part of that and um yeah. it's going to be out on our place and that's pretty exciting I want, i'm hoping to get a lot of folks to uh come out and participate but uh what do you guys have to do to get signed up for this um what do they expect what should they expect so you can ex- you can expect that uh when you come out i mean you're going to be doing the challenge course in the first thing in the morning okay when you get there, it's going to be challenge course first thing in the morning. As soon as you finish the challenge course, you're going to have 30 minutes to recover, and you're going to hit the 3D course. 20 okay. targets? 20 targets. Or 19, yeah, 20 targets, 20 arrows. Right. Okay. And one of those targets is going to be the 2 and 10. So there is technically 20 targets, but it's really only 19 stations. You know what I mean? And, and, and we don't spread those out. It's not like uh, we're trying to get a bunch of miles on the on – the, uh, on the 3D course, we're just trying to get you through the course. Um, so you can, Bob, as you guys, I would come expect to have. Uh, it's going to be a, a lot of uh, events and then waiting, yeah. or waiting and then event. It's yeah. which is one of the coolest parts because you just kind of, and that's where we all sit around oh, and talk to folks and hear stories and yep. relive hunting and what we're expecting at that point. We'll be talking about the upcoming season. So that's where, uh, yeah, the whole camaraderie part is, is huge and why a lot of us really enjoy the event yeah. with or without the competition. It's just cool being a part of having everybody there is all like-minded and, and uh, all enjoy, you know, doing this thing and doing hard things. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. if you, if you want to get signed up, if you go to uh, traintohunt.com, and click on the events. All the events are right there. They're, the locations and the states that we're doing this year. We're going to New York City, which I'm pretty Or New York. I always say New York City, but I really just mean New York. <laughs> New York City. We're Times go, Square. We're, we're going out to New York. We're going out to New York, <laughs> Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Texas, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Montana, um, Wyoming, um, Nevada, Arizona. Yeah. Okay. So there they are. Um, you go on there. Click on it. Click on the event and go all. If you want more details before you register, just scroll all the way to the bottom and it has it laid out for you right there. Mm-hmm. The target's average shot on the 3D course is going to be about 35 yards. The shot for the challenge course, the average is going to be about 30 to 35 yards. The runs, the run loops on the challenge course are going to be between two and 300 yards, depending on the terrain available. Sure. Um, and if you have any questions about your your pack weight or your competition weight, it lays it right out there. You're either going to have a 50-pound pack, a 30-pound pack, or a 10-pound pack. And uh, the 50-pound pack is for the men's open and men's masters. And the uh, 30-pound pack is going to be for the women's open, the women's masters, the men's super masters, and the men's senior masters. And the teen boys 
and the 10 pound um, pack is going to be for the women's senior masters and the teen girls. If you're on a team, it's all about your age. Mm -hmm. So whatever division you would have entered individually, that's going to be the pack. That's going to be your pack weight. It's also your pack weight and your exercise weight. The pack, the 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 sandbag you're going to be using for your get ups and your ground to shoulders, same exact weighted sandbag. So when we take pretty good care of, if you show up, you have your pack, you have your bow, and you have your grit going. We're gonna we're gonna walk you through it. You're it's not, there's no, never anything you're going to have to memorize. There's right. going to be somebody there. We're going to have a competitor meeting. We're going to explain the competition, the rules, the, uh, how, what you can expect for the weekend. When you're up, you will know, hey, you're in the hole. Then, hey, you're in, on deck. And then, hey, you're up. Somebody, there's going to be a judge there that's going to, you know, introduce themselves. Mm-hmm. They're going to be coaching you through it. So they're your coach slash judge. They're going to be telling you, this is what's next. This is what's next. This is what's next. They're also going to be just holding you accountable to um, guiding you through the, the correct, um, you know, the correct way to do things. You know, if you're, if you're doing a, a, a burpee and you're, you're doing it parallel to the box, they're going to remind you, no, face that box, face that box. As, as the past years, there is, there isn't going to be any, you know, that rep doesn't count because you did it wrong. It's going to be no, you did you didn't go all the way down and touch your shoulder blades. Make sure you go down and do it this time. Just um, you know, I'm, I'm not a bit. I don't want to put any any but any judges or coaches or competitors in awkward situations. So I know that competitors aren't usually doing it on purpose. So you know they're pretty good. I've, in seven years, I've never had somebody who just blatantly blew off a judge who repeatedly tried to correct them. Sure. Um, be, and I think mainly it's because I made it pretty clear that if you do that, <laughs> you have to, go, you have to go to the principal's office. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see Mr. Kenton. That's right. So, yeah, it, I'm excited for the season. Um, yeah, I'd highly encourage anybody who's looking to, you know, come out with a buddy, do one of the team events, yeah. you know, challenge, you know, have a challenge, a kind of little competition with your buddy. Have a competition with yourself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you think you're really tough and you're in the open division and Trevor's there, <laughs> try to beat Trevor. Well, good luck with that. But, <laughs> and uh, if, try and to compete with that guy. Yeah, and if, you do, and if you are absolutely just completely like, I don't know if I can do that, but you're interested in coming out, man, we will be more than happy to put you to work. True, I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we need good volunteers that can, you know, that can watch – See how it goes. People and, and pull arrows. Encourage and people. Encourage yep. people. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just, and it's just cool to come out. I mean. It is. It's hard to stress enough. Um, everybody there is just really supportive. You know, they're yeah. they're helping grab that pack at the end of the meat pack, grab mm-hmm. it off their back, and everybody's clapping and cheering everybody on. It's just, uh, man, it's a great community to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And I know Hill and I are extremely fortunate and thankful that uh that we got involved like we did yeah. last year so cool yeah it's awesome i know man well good well appreciate you guys yeah. doing this yeah no problem Love that story and jesse and trevor absolutely thank you for having me absolutely yeah before we go one more thing we got to talk about as uh the kids event kids only event yeah, we just so wanted we want to mention the kids only yep. event. Jesse is lining us up in Oregon. It's going to right. be a kids only event because we're we really want 
we really want to start touching that next generation. Yep. And I feel like it's yep. our, it's our duty to, to involve the next generation and <clears throat> to start breeding life into, uh, you know, the younger generation, um, as far as like fitness and health and that kind Absolutely. of stuff and doing our part, mom and dad are out mm-hmm. there. They're doing it too. Yeah. You know, if they're bringing their kids to us, they're probably doing it too, but it's fun to give them something to do. So yeah. we've got this kids to only event. Yeah. Well, we got to see it in the kids last year. I mean, I watched my daughter compete and all the kids around her and other different divisions and all that. And, uh, everybody's giving and they're all having an absolute blast. Yep. And it's cool to have that little bit of competitiveness amongst the kids. Sure. You know, it's it's awesome to see them, yeah. uh, you know, try as hard as they can and, and really focus on their shots and all this. It's it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah. So, so tenat- what's this one? Tentatively, it's it's after nationals. It's going to be a standalone event um, just for kids. Uh, age range, we got seven to nine-year-old group, uh, boys and girls, um, 10 to 12 and 13 to 15 um tentatively august 4th um saturday august 4th it's going to be in central oregon area um the uh the archery club that is a kids only archery club it's a 501c3 so it's a non-profit um three rivers archery um jr um from there he contacted me and uh and I've been trying to put something together for the last couple of years now. And, and, you know, just with kids and seeing the kids come up last year out of Gilchrist where we did it. Um, and it was like we had like 27 kids show up. And we weren't really prepared for that many kids, right? Because before it's, you know, 10, 6 here and there. But um, 27 kids showed up. And then that Three Rivers Archery JR was like, man, I've got way more kids than this. But they happened to be at other things and so we really got to talking about maybe putting on a, a kids event and it'll be it's just gonna be fun man yeah. we're just gonna we're just gonna it's gonna be a lot cheaper than uh than a regular train to hunt but it's gonna be a real train to hunt you mm-hmm. know and and um that's what jr you know kept stressing he wants to give these kids a challenge and all that so we uh we're gonna we're gonna pull out all the stops for these kids and um, already got some good commitments as far as sponsorship and prizes and cool. And yeah, it's just, I just wanted to just, we just, you know, here at train hunt, we want to give back to, you know, and, and, and build up that, uh, the kids and build up the, uh, you know, this, the conservation and, and the ethics of hunting and family lifestyle, and family lifestyle and, and health, you know, um, fitness and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. So oh, if we can reach that younger generation, man, yeah. you know, it's just gonna, it's just gonna increase our, um, our opportunities, you know, yeah. and their opportunities and our grandchildren's and our great grandchildren. We just like want to look down the road, you yeah. know, it's cool. a We're lot pumped. further than ourselves. Yeah. So. And it, it gives, it gives parents opportunity to do more with their kids as well. I know, um, this last spring before the event, you know, I found myself now because she's, training just like i am she wants to compete mm-hmm. um you know my daughter and i are out shooting a lot more you know so I, cool, she's going man. with me to these these uh you know 3d areas and and so you know it just becomes more of a family affair yeah. and she gets she gets better every time we do it and uh yeah it's awesome and 
to be honest, you know, we did that hunt and I've talked about the hunt that I did with her in August and, um, you know, she'd done the train to hunt events and she went through all that and she was trained for it. It was pretty cool because yeah. that was her first hunt. She's eight years old and she hiked over 20 miles. So unbelievable. it was, uh, you know, it was pretty good, you know, everything, it all worked out at the end. Yeah. She trained, she went through train to hunt. She got her hunt out of it and did awesome and wasn't complaining or whining and did over 20 miles and, yeah. you know, couldn't be more impressed. So it'll be, uh, super interesting and excited to see what this year brings. It's yeah. all of it. Yeah. It'll be fun. We'll do a lot. We will, we'll get the details out there for those of you that are just like, man, I cannot wait to tell my kid about this. And we, you're yeah. going to be itching for details. Um, before you blow up my, my inbox, um, we're going to be releasing details as soon as we know, you know, yeah. um, we'll be putting the details on, on our website, train It'll be kids event. Um, you'll be able to get on there, just register, register your kid right there, pick a division and then show up and, and have fun with us. So, um, perfect. Yep. Yeah. yeah. There's, you know, it, it'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Perfect. All right, guys. Cool. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah.